Welcome to NFT Rebels, the podcast where technology, creativity, education, and non-fungible experiences meet each other. It's me, Annie Alexander, and in each episode, me and the Rebels will have a real unscripted talk, share genuine opinions, and show raw emotions. Should we start? and welcome to the NFT Rebels. It's me, Anne Alexander, and today I have a very exciting guest. I'm talking to Irina. Irina is head of Metaverse Growth, which I think is a very intriguing um, title um, and very, very uh, kind of, you know, modern. So uh, I guess we can start by Irina, you introducing yourself and telling what does it mean and what do you do? And we can just free flow from there. Hi, Annie. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Um, I really came up with the title because kind of um, I work at Unique Network and because we're a unique and creative company, uh, we were kind of free to choose, you know, what title we want for our job. So in principle, I do business development and onboard projects that build uh, NFT. Uh, so startups, I'm responsible mainly for the art program. Art vertical, we have two, art and gaming. But the metaverse for me, why it is so meaningful? Because metaverse comes from science fiction. It's uh, believed to be the next stage of the internet. It believes to uh, a lot of people who are building the space believe that this Web3 will come into the metaverse where we can finally combine virtual experiences, um, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, all the this glasses technology and uh, combine art gaming and live conferences and this is already happening in projects like Decentraland some companies began having um, their like work gatherings or fashion shows and of course considering the current uh, pandemic situation in the world where we when we were restricted to travel uh, when a lot of us um, discovered many fascinating things on the internet and when really NFT, DeFi and new digital economy boomed uh, since last summer, there are so many opportunities that emerged and it's just very, very exciting and we are at the very, very beginning. Uh, so I'm here to build the new internet, basically. Yeah, I think it's very exciting. It's exciting times and I think it's very kind of, you know, unique to be in that position when everything is just starting because, you know, I, I, I always uh, really prefer, what, you know, to be there in the very beginning to to observe and participate in, in the stage where, you know, things start kind of, you know, emerging out of before they exist, they didn't exist and then, you know, you're there and you see it being born i think it's it's very exciting so uh t- tell us more about like um what does the unique network do so what do you, what are you building or are you building or you're providing a platform for for other startups to re- build on top of it um yes yeah, so we are the middleware speaking uh, in technical terms uh, we are an nft chain for kusama and polkadot we're the first nft chain developed in polkadot ecosystem uh, mm-hmm. so we aim at developing two verticals the art and the gaming um 
so we are onboarding projects, but it's we're not limited to that because actually our mission is tokenize everything, tokenize all kind of digital assets, um, create NFTs for all types of digital assets. That includes real estate, uh, that includes jewelry, um, music, fashion. So we began at this point already working with several fashion brands, digital fashion brands. Um, and it's really kind of a discovery journey for us as well, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can have in mind a plan of uh, working with crypto artists, but then a fashion designer comes and comes up with a collection. And then uh, I actually posted this question on Twitter a couple of days ago, but what is art? So what do mm-hmm. we consider art? Can we only be limited to paintings? Uh, I believe that not. There is literature, there is art of you know, art of many things, even art of cooking. So there is yeah. actually a, a startup who reached out to me. They're tokenizing recipes. So wow. okay. yeah, that, that, that's the reason why it's such an exciting space. And um, considering that we work on Polkadot technology, we're very scalable and interoperable. So we are still on the testnet. And the journey of the company began during the Hakusama Hackathon in summer 2020, when the team created Substrapank collection for the hackathon, um, kind mm-hmm. of repli- a replica of CryptoPunks, which had success. Uh, and then the subscribers were airdropped to the community and everybody loved it and everybody began trading them. So the team had to create a marketplace to um, to have a safe environment for trading, uh, mm-hmm. con- Consider SNET is kind of unstable. So uh, then in May 2021, we did another airdrop of Cello Bricks to, during Polkadot Decoded for for everybody who attended uh, Polkadot event. And then the community tripled or or even more. It <laughs> grew exponentially in, in size on Telegram overnight. Um, and really what we're discovering now is the collectibles. Uh, but the, the vision is to kind of bring these collectibles into gaming, gamify mm-hmm. things, uh, use advanced features, like um, one of our partners is Canaria Project, very well-known project in the Polkadot ecosystem. They've created NFT relationships where now mm-hmm. NFTs can fall in love, have like wow. turn, yeah, child-parent relations, so you can send different emojis. Um, and this is just the beginning, really. There is so much more because of the substrate, because of the new framework, and because of what the new tech allows you to do apart from the gas fees, because gas fees is um, is another kind of sensible topic in the industry, yeah. right? And um, that was from, I don't know, something like $10 to $70 you had to pay for a transaction for uh, for minting your NFT. Uh, so with Polkadot, um, tran- gas fees by default are low, almost mm-hmm. like a card payment fees, but Unique Network is sponsoring transactions. So we are actually... Uh, allowing startups one year of freemium. Uh, mm-hmm. That is especially valuable for gaming. So you as a startup creator, as a project creator, um, can onboard as many users as you want. Uh, you can allow people to try your platform, to try your solution, to try your marketplace or gallery. Um, and actually what we want is to enable even not crypto savvy audience to join this mm-hmm. uh, NFT revolution, right? Uh, so create yeah. like 
like you have YouTube for creators or Instagram and all these platforms that um, allow people to enter creative economy and to monetize their talent. But then there was no security in payments. Now with NFTs, with middleware like Unique, you can actually create your own marketplace and monetize your talent, but now in a more secure way because you because yeah. of the advantages. Yeah, I think it's very important what, what you're saying is like, you know, uh, for onboarding non-crypto people who didn't have like previous experience with cryptocurrencies and are kind of starting from scratch, kind of, you know, finding out things and understanding how the technology works, how wallets work and and kind of, you know, are going through this steep learning curve of, of figuring things out. Uh, I think for, for mass adoption, it's it's very important to make sure that the onboarding is, is relatively easy and and kind of intuitive and uh, does not really have the, the barriers that some of the platforms at the moment still do have. Um, yes, these too are very important because we've seen how crazy it can get especially you know during the times when the market gets really active and you know the time sensitivity is an issue and people are willing to pay crazy amounts just to get in there i think you mentioned collectibles gas fees also sometimes skyrocket when there is a very popular collectible that is being out there and people are just you know trying to mint it as fast as possible to just get the possibility to get the collectible itself. Um, so so maybe we can, I, I don't know, maybe we can talk about slightly touch that subject between since you're curating and kind of, you know, are responsible for the art vertical. Uh, what I've discovered by talking to many, uh, you know, crypto artists, um, collectibles and and crypto art, you know, the way it's perceived, it feels like in my mind, there are two different things there isn't too much overlap to me like the audiences are different the motivations are different kind of the way we interact with those nfts are different um but but sometimes many people compare those as if it's the same and and some talented artists feel a bit insulted that you know the collectible art value or you know the way they look it's not really of a such a good quality but it's it's valued or, you know, the price point is so much higher. What would you say about that? Um, like what my recent discovery is that collectibles are very much linked to the gaming. And if you look at Pokemon cards or, you know, any figures from, I don't know, Dragon Ball, um, mm -hmm. what else is out there? Uh, Fortnite, like all these all these universes exist of fans collecting cards and their manga artists. There are other types of artists that are into cartoons, into digital um, digital images, or into creating personas, creating the story behind it. But not many of this kind of this this type of animation can be called art. We can yeah. call Miyazaki, who is one of the world renowned animators and artists because his cartoons of Totoro are, are impactful. They have um, mm -hmm. artistic element to it. They have artistic value in it. But um, if you look at other uh, Fortnite collectibles, that has monetary value, that has economic value. Uh, and we haven't seen that much of the art in the blockchain space yet because what I would consider art is plantoid, uh, built back in 
was it 2017 on Bitcoin blockchain because it had a philosophy behind. It's about reproduction and it's about mm-hmm. beauty. The more Bitcoin you uh, transfer to the plantoid, the more beautiful it it mm-hmm. shapes itself. Um, or projects what Robert Alice was doing, same with disks, um, using the logics and the ideology of blockchain to create art around it. Because art, in my opinion, it has to have philosophy, impact, and beauty. So several elements yeah. combined. And it has to be something that we will want to see years, you know, after the the boom of the market, right? In the hundred years, it, sh- it has to be something as impactful as, as Michelangelo's art, as, I don't know, Mona Lisa, right? Something that we yeah. as society value, something that is worth traveling miles to another country to see and queue yeah. in a you know, in a, in a line to enter a museum. Uh, but the same should apply for NFT and digital art space. And the future is just kind of either a combination. So this kind of hybrid space between physical museum and a digital museum or purely uh-huh. digital exposition. But people need to want to go there to to get inspired, to have emotions, to learn something. Um, what happens with collectibles, It's it's like a game. You're playing. You're playing with money because you collect something rare, so you can yeah. exchange it. You can make profit, and it, I'm sure that soon we'll see this two kind of splitting into different directions. So the collectibles, they will uh, more go to the gaming um, side of things. And yeah. uh, already, I've seen somebody actually created um, bodies for Substrapunks. So they're they're heads. So if you look at Substrapunk collection, they're only heads of punks. And then somebody is uh, okay. working, working on a game and uh, making a 3D figures and inventing a game based on that. So you see, like, th- this is taking the road into, into gaming and then maybe some company like Sandbox will want to ad- like adopt it. Uh, yeah. But art would be something different because uh, collecting figures is nice, like Pokemons, but it's more of a child game. And it's kind of like, uh, but it's, it's actually, it's a great discovery or rediscovery because I really remembered my childhood. Like we were collecting this Pokemon cards and exchanging them and and playing. And they were like, I don't know, in their, even Kinder Surprise Eggs with the, because the toys used to be really kind of hand painted and all that is really a, 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 like your child, your child, your inner child is really satisfied with this kind of collections, and it's yeah. it's a great way to go back into game. But calling majority of collectibles art, I wouldn't go this far unless I missed some some really artistic expressions. If somebody yeah. who's watching us want to share it. Yeah, I, I mean, I tend to agree with you because I, I do agree that the gap is going to get broader um, with the time. And and yeah, probably collectibles will be more used for gaming and, you know, or, or trading, flipping. And, you know, it's, it, it, it will have a different kind of uh, vibe around it. Uh, although it feels like some of the collectible NFTs also play a role of a social token and kind of membership into community type of thing, which kind of adds 
uh, an additional emotional layer to it um, as a utility, which is kind of pretty cool as well. But again, it's it's not like the the art artistic part and the look and you know of of the actual character is not a priority uh, in in most of the collectibles. So I, I totally agree with you. Um, let's i don't know would you like to dive into uh, what we have as a title for today's conversation is sustainable metaverse so what do you mean by the sustainability part of it i mean what, what is the angle that you're looking for for from that perspective so we recently launched an initiative called digital art for climate in partnership uh, with international association for climate action and un habitat um, and the reason behind it was that um, our partners were looking for a solution that was environmentally friendly because there were so many conversations around bitcoin blockchain or ethereum blockchain being um high energy consuming, yeah. uh, bad for the environment. Um, and one of the artists who was actually um, saving electricity in his studio for two years, cutting all the waste, uh, trying to be as sustainable as possible, minted uh, NFT and discovered that he actually spent all these two years of energy in that one single NFT. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So his disappointment was really, really, really big because he made so much effort over years to eliminate waste, to eliminate uh, energy consumption in his studio. And then with one NFT, you know. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> exactly that. So our partners were looking for proof of stake blockchain. Uh, mm -hmm. that is sustainable and environmentally friendly. And um, we actually joined Clean NFT Movement. Um, it's an, uh, let's say, let's call it an organization of different projects of different blockchains that are looking for ways um, to optimize technology. So if they're not a pure proof of stake, it's a layer two on Ethereum mm -hmm. that is more environmentally friendly. And um, this is a community that is looking for better ways, um, more sustainable ways of uh, creating NFT art. Because another reason uh, for NFTs being criticized was that uh, with all the collectibles and all the emerging things and accessibility to the space, there were so many NFTs minted, like the, just the amount of things minted, everything was minted as NFT. Any mm -hmm. JPEG became an NFT. So everything was traded, which is a great experimentation. But then if we look at the energy consumption of all that, at, at a waste, at like mm -hmm. um, the fact that people lost conscious of what they're doing, they could mean so they did it. Um, so our uh, mission with Digital Art for Climate is... Um, has three purposes. So first one, to create awareness around climate change and uh, allow people to take action on climate. Um, second is to give access to younger talents to participate in the art movement because a lot of young people who live in developing countries, who live in even cities that don't have galleries and institutions and um, there are a lot of young talents who don't have access to education like art school but they mm -hmm. still have the talent and they still have the will to express themselves so yeah. we partnered with UN Habitat to uh, give access to people in Kenya in India elsewhere in the world um, 
to submit their artwork and to showcase it, uh, to showcase it on uh, Digital Art for Climate Marketplace and uh, obviously sell it and monetize their art. But we have an art competition where we have a curator and art director who is uh, monitoring what is submitted as the art. There is a panel of judges, so uh, there will be some kind of curatorship and decisions taken on what artworks will be actually factually minted. Um, okay, this- I see. So, so not everything will be minted, only the ones that will be chosen. Okay, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to see it is open for everybody because, of course, uh, we want to be as open as possible to allow everybody to submit art. Because, um, you know, if you limit, if you put too many limitations, then you, you're you risking to lose the talent. You're li- risking to miss that person yeah. who could be the next Picasso of our times. Yeah, the talent and the diversity of the, the range, range of the types of arts that you will be getting as a result as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I I think, you know, I was just, while you were talking, I was just thinking that, uh, yeah, I mean, how many people actually think what's the impact of minting the NFT? I mean, we we do think about it, but more like from the gas fees perspective, right? Not really uh, from the perspective of what's the impact that we have on the climate or, you know, the energy consumption or whatever it is. Like, I don't think that topic has been talked a lot about apart from the mass media and the whole kind of you know um generic statements about the fact that it's bad on for the environment and and kind of not really i think not doing the job that well by by being so high level and and putting everything in in one bucket like the bitcoin the cryptocurrencies in general the nfts all together just saying it's bad um but but yeah it's i i think it's an important topic and it's it's not everyone is just very often like we don't think about it because we're uh, i mean it, it's just not something we discuss between ourselves as well right so we we can kind of genuinely just forget about it not that we want to avoid it in on purpose but simply it's not something that has been talked enough for us to to have it in our subconscious i guess yeah, because even the artists who minted their artwork, um, either established artists or somebody who was just trying this new technology, were not aware of the impact. Mm-hmm. Nobody was talking about it six months ago, right? Um, it, it, this conversation on sustainability is very, very recent. Um, and already even Bitcoin blockchain is the, the, everybody who is doing business around Bitcoin blockchain are taking action to decarbonize it, to use sustainable energy resources to power mining process. And there is, I mean, this is the reason why I like so much the crypto space, because things we discover things fast and we try to fix them as fast as possible as well. So every yeah. day you have news, you know, if yesterday you were super polluting environment, today everybody's already working on um, energy efficient and sustainable clean solutions for, for the space. Yeah, no, I, I I totally get that. I think uh, the other beauty of the whole thing is that, uh, you know, because everything is just starting and, you know, many things haven't discovered yet, we all are still experimenting, different, you know, startup ideas emerge, different projects come out, different blockchains are going to support NFTs are emerging as well and, and platforms are being built. Uh, it's 
the whole beauty is that we're discovering new things and new ways to optimize and make things more efficient. So, um, but the, the, the full thing, the interesting thing to me is that to be completely honest, I have a feeling that many people came to the space as a result of the hype and main motivation being to make money fast. Right. And, and, some of them, or even probably, you know, uh, at least half of them, that's kind of, you know, my personal impression, uh, actually stayed in the space, not for the money. Because, like, not many actually did made money so fast or, you know, that expectations by which they were coming in didn't really happen. You know, not, not many artists had high success or you know sold for for big amounts their first art anyway but but many stuck around they didn't just leave right they're still around so what do you think is the most attractive i mean apart from the money side of things like what is the the beauty for the crypto artists what is the most attractive side of the nfts um from not from the technological perspective but in terms of what the benefits it gives to the regular uh, crypto artist? Um, I would say there are two things. Uh, community comes first, because I'm sure that a lot of people who dived into even digital artists who didn't know much about crypto, but once they discovered crypto community, uh, blockchain community, and the level of conversations, the interesting people that you find in this space, you know, in marketing, in business, developers, like, philosophers, poets, you know, you really find mm. everybody uh, from every perspective, angle, people doing amazing things. And it's like everyone who I talk to, once you step into that rabbit hole of crypto space, you never leave because you find really brilliant minds, a lot of inspiration. It's fast-paced environment, innovative. Uh, conversations are always engaging, People are inclusive and the communities are inclusive. And this is what I found myself in Polkadot. You know, I just stepped in because I was curious, like, okay, what's going on here with this Web3 new technology? Um, and then that's it. You know, once you start, it's, it's impossible to stop because you meet someone, you brainstorm, you find a project, you find another project, you find some, you always find something like it's, it's just endless. The opportunities are endless. This, this tech is so, so, so new that it we it's a history in the making um just like people who created web the internet emails you know websites the same thing is happening now with web3 there are people building the foundation of the new internet call it the metaverse i don't know how we're going to end up calling this for the time being everybody is excited with the concept of the metaverse but it could be anything. In, in in a year, in five years, we'll discover ourselves in a ourselves in a completely different world, in a completely different environment. And another thing is you discover the power, the power that you have as an individual in the new decentralized economy. Because you have your wallet, you have your ownership rights, um, and you can do what you want. You can express yourself artistically, you can find your audience, um, and it's a new market. And actually, the great thing about this hype around NFTs was exactly all the PR and marketing and all the press around this space because it brought in, obviously, money, 
to support, uh, you know, new platforms, uh, but also a lot of people just curious. Okay, what is this about? What's going on? And yeah. once you find this space, like uh, before it was blogging, a lot of people were doing blogs, then they moved to YouTube. People began doing videos because there was an audience. There was a new market. There was a new audience. People curious of, okay, how do you do it? And then, you know, you start watching a blogger on YouTube and then you're like, hmm, but I can actually do that myself too. Let me try, yeah. you know, and then you take your phone and you start filming and you start talking about things that interest you and you find your audience. The same thing happens with NFT. You now discover yeah. that what, what I'm discovering is that a lot of people discovered what Telegram and Discord is. Before crypto, these two channels, they were not yeah. popular. They were unexistent, especially yeah, for the Yeah, Discord artists. was popular for mainly gamers, right? It was kind of, you know, uh, yeah, it was more specific for gamers. Telegram was more specific to crypto people. And now it's, uh, yeah, true. I, uh, I, I'm very excited. I really love the fact that it's kind of, you know... Um, Obviously, we had like a non-blockchain-based kind of creators economy. We had platforms like Patreon and, you know, some others which were kind of how Substack, which are helping creators economy and kind of, you know, helping people monetize their passions. But here, I think it's a completely different level because you, you no longer, you know, depend on on an intermediary centralized um platform so it's it's all under your own control it's you know it belongs to you there is a direct link and direct relationship with your audience with your collectors um and uh i, I think it's it's beautiful um in terms of the metaverse um i feel like once the metaverse develops even further there are so many possibilities and opportunities for experienced based nfts where you know, people can sort of, you know, come up with different NFTs, which would which would um, give you access to certain experiences in the metaverse, which would give you access for for certain sort of direct engagement with the artist, etc. And uh, and I think it's it's super beautiful because you know, um, first of all. It, it it enables everyone over all over the world to participate in the ecosystem because before like you know let's say if you're a musician and you're having a concert obviously like most probably just people who who can travel to that city or who are in that city can can come and be experience the 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 concert now i feel like you know it doesn't really matter people in remote areas people who kind of you know all you need to have is internet and and you can be part of the whole thing um so so i think it's also including people who are not creators but you know consumers of the content and of the art who who start getting direct access to it they don't have to go to the galleries they don't have to go to the concerts they can just directly kind of get access and and discover different people the other thing that I think is really good, good is diversity. Because when I'm looking at people in the crypto arts that are popular, and, and tell me if you have the same experience, I'm, I'm looking at things and I'm like, oh my God, like there's no way any agent or any gallery would showcase them. This is so uncommercial, so kind of out of the standard stuff, out of what is you know, considered to be like art or considered to be like something that is worth showcasing, right? 
So we have all these diverse, interesting voices that come in, the interesting images, interesting arts that otherwise had absolutely no chance breaking through. Yeah, I agree, because also the the barrier to entry is low, just like, um, you know, again, going back to YouTube. Before, you film a video with a cell phone, low quality, but maybe you are an amazing singer, so you sing extremely well, and people will go and watch that video and put likes and share. Uh, but then, like, the more people join, the harder it became to stand out. So you had to yeah. already have a professional camera, professional microphone, and then you will see hateful comments like, couldn't you fix your sound? Why are you, you know, why are yeah. you filming with your phone? So now the same thing is happening in this space. Everybody's welcome. And not so many people discovered it. So pioneers, real innovators, real provocative people who want to provoke feelings, either it's greed which is the <laughs> the, yeah. the driving force of this space at the moment but it, it is still you know it, it's not an easy to understand space it's not an easy to access space still so we're seeing a lot of interesting things and i'm very excited when people like during this digital art for climate initiative we had a designathon for ux and ui designers to create a front end of the marketplace and we had a team uh there was there was a someone from Nigeria, there was a team from India. So it's really very, very inclusive. Nobody will tell you, you know, you have to be based um, in the capital and you had to have uh, two years of experience working in this institution and, you know, working in this and that gallery because this is another thing that happens most often that not. That to be credible, to, to call yourself an artist, you need to have a formal um, education, you need to belong to an yeah. association, and the barrier to entry is super, super high. And you may give up just by looking at, at the requirements. So, okay, you're born, you know, you're young, you're a teenager, and you're choosing your future profession, and you're talented in painting. And then you go Google, okay, how do I become a famous painter? You read all these horrifying stories of, you know, okay, I need to now travel all the way to London, um, get a degree in the, in the Academy of Fine Arts, then have two years of internship. And then, you know, you need to spend so much money and you have to be so patient. And then there is no guarantee that some of your teachers will not just kill your talent because this is what happens. I come from academia. Yeah. I studied in the Academy of Architecture and Arts. And I know how often you just have to fit into academia standards because yeah. you are supposed to submit a work according to your course program um, and you have to draw in a particular way, you have to paint in a particular way and you have not really enough freedom. So if you want to, you know, maybe you are born to invent the new painting style, but you cannot because you are thinking about making a living, building a career, and then you end up nowhere because after all this seven, eight, whatever years of education, you just give up. You say, you know what? This world is unfair. I can't, I can't stand it. I lost my passion. I lost my interest. Now I go and work in a bank, something like that. And, and that yeah. happens more often than not. More often than not because uh, a lot of unfortunately, people... Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. And and you know, I'm 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 speaking to different artists who actually tell, you know, who have been freelancing to, you know, uh, 
and 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 selling their skills uh, to 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 clients, right? Uh, and and this uh, entering this space is just like fresh air for them because what they discover is like now finally they can do what what they like. They can be themselves. They can kind of you know demonstrate their own thoughts and emotions and expressions, and they no longer have to you know um, to create based on the brief that they are getting from a client. So it's 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 another kind of you know way where they can open up and just be themselves and do what they like to do versus what they are required to or you know what is paying the bills right so it's kind of it's another dimension where again um yeah i mean maybe they are discovering a new style or maybe they are you know it just gives you the freedom to experiment and and find new ways of of the things that you you might end up diving into further down the road in the future so yeah yeah, that, that's why uh, I, I, I wouldn't even criticize collectibles this much because you know who knows what is going to come out of that collectible space and all the monkeys and oh, yeah. worlds no, no, no. things I like mean, that. I think we we weren't criticizing. We were just saying that those two are kind of you know it seemed like they are two different branches. Uh, within the field. So, you know, all I'm saying is that it's it's very hard and we shouldn't maybe compare like one-on-one crypto art with the collectibles because they, they represent two completely different things. That's that's kind of the the way we looked at it. The other aspect I think also is that in the traditional world, um also like you obviously when you have connections, it helps a lot. And, you know, there are loads of things that are based on connections. And I have a feeling that in this space, building those connections and building relationships and becoming part of a community is so much easier and and it happens so much faster rather than in the traditional world where you kind of, you know, you have to be introduced. It's a little bit kind of, you know, there are lots of gatekeepers. There are lots of people who kind of, you know, you have to, to pass through and things like that, uh, which is another element that kind of helps a lot. I don't know. What, what do you think about that? I quite agree with that because I guess the whole spirit of the crypto space is to eliminate the middlemen is to eliminate all these barriers to becoming who you truly want to become and to access new economy, build wealth, um, and connect with like-minded people. Because the whole drive of the community is to connect with like-minded people. And as I always say, like, can you imagine going to your local bank and talking to the CEO of a bank? Now, can you imagine going to a DeFi protocol uh, founder and talking to him? That is possible. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the other thing is like when when we talk about like-minded people, um, it's not very often when an artist in his real life among his friends or family does have that support system, does have like-minded people who actually get you. Because, you know, unless they've gone through the same experiences, unless they are artists as well, it's very hard to even explain some stuff to people who don't get it, right? To, who are not from the field, who don't really understand. So, I mean, I'm talking just about art, let alone adding up a layer on top of it and, and explaining NFTs, right? So I feel like that is why the connections and relationships are built much faster because you finally find people who get you, find people who are on the same wave and kind of you know uh, on the same um, mindset at the moment probably 
Um, I also think there is a mutual interest because traditional industries are really keen to learn about crypto. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talk to, you know, so how do you tokenize real estate? What is a token? How do you create token? What is NFT? So it's it's a good start for a conversation because people are, um, the, the world is split in two right now. I talk to a lot of people who run businesses and who are aware of a lot of things, circular economy, but then they tell me, you know, like blockchain doesn't exist. It doesn't really work. And then you send them an article that, oh, your local bank just, uh, you know, uh, used blockchain for their internal uh, like ledger, hyperledger for their uh, internal systems. And people are surprised because it's not really still in the in the mass media. It's not popularized and often it's demonized. Bitcoin is bad, don't invest, crypto regulations, etc., yeah. etc. Et and I think NFT is a friendly way to explain people that it's not just about money. It's not just about tokens. It is yeah. about digital economy. It is about new ways of presenting things. And is about it's a legal framework in a way because NFT is about ownership. The most powerful thing and the most important thing about NFT is that it's your unique digital asset and you can exercise a bundle of rights on your property because it becomes yeah. NFT becomes your property through the hash on a blockchain. That yeah, is I think it's... I think it's very important. You mentioned media, and and I I think uh, yes. I mean, media has done. I mean, now it's much better than before. But in the very beginning, like you know, I remember the types of things that were like when I started working in the blockchain space. Like uh, you wouldn't even want to publicize it so much because, like the the first stereotype that they were getting was like, okay, you know, you're doing something illegal. Obviously, like if you're in that, it's it's just definitely something dodgy is going on there that was kind of what the image that they had right like bitcoin is just for drugs and weapons and you know cryptocurrencies for avoiding taxes and 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 all these different stories which they've got because they read it in media right and i feel like the problem is that yes now the media is relatively more friendly but the problem is also that many people who cover those stories don't completely understand what they are writing about. So the stories are just right, the straightforward things that is very obvious at a higher level. Like, you know, when they talk about, I don't know, Beeple and Christie's and 69 million, that's what they talk about because that's the obvious layer, right? They don't talk about what it actually means and they don't go really deeper into that, right? So, so eventually by telling just Part of the story, they just focus eventually ended up focusing on the money side because that was pretty impressive and hard to miss. <laughs> but there are loads of important stories that they are not covering. And I don't know why, whether it's just because they don't grasp it and they don't they are not inside the, the field to actually experience it and understand it better. And they're just looking at it from outside and just getting just part of it. Or um, I, I just don't know, but I feel like the the people from the outside will have the real picture once they get a better resources and and better stories that resonate with them, telling the real kind of you know um, things that are happening, all these amazing stories and things that are happening inside the community. 
Yeah, I quite agree with you, Annie. And this is one of the reasons why a podcast like yours is so important because education and let's say edutainment is so important and showing people behind projects is very important because a protocol has no face. Bitcoin has no face and the story of mysterious Satoshi, etc. cetera, uh, it's very nice and romantic, but actually we're missing that there are a lot of people building real things, really useful things, really helpful things, tools for everybody. And yeah. yes, it is still quite complex and complicated, but the big idea is to give these tools to everybody, to give, to enable people to access this pool of money, pool of opportunities, pool of talent. Um, and this is the major ideology behind the crypto movement. It's not about, you know, uh, dark web or, or coding. It's not that. It is talent it is new world that we live in and new tools that we use for everyday life it's about freeing yourself from needing to go to the office doing nine to five um, not even not being able to access education because part big part that i also love about crypto community there are a lot of courses and materials available about blockchain for free yes you don't need to pay for that you don't need to pay for your master degree on blockchain, yeah. you can learn and you it don't yourself. even have to. You don't have to have a degree. Like you know, if you have the the knowledge and the practical kind of you know skill set, and you've done something, maybe it's even more valuable than having the theoretical degree, right? It's it's things move so fast that I think like we we learn as we go, and 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 we just you know uh, keep experimenting and putting our knowledge into into work and and see how it rolls out. So it's just I don't know. I think by the time the syllables are being created, by the time people start teaching things about blockchain in the universities, things are developing so much further that you're just getting a small portion of of what's out there. It's just impossible to catch up so so fast, right? With the pace of the traditional educational systems, the way they go. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not against degrees. This is an important point because I'm very grateful to my education and to my architectural school for all these five years of really, really hard torturing work. But education gives you fundamentals, it gives you perspective, it gives you understanding of some important things. But it doesn't give you opportunity and it doesn't guarantee the job. Uh, and it's very, very kind of detached from the from the economy and from the employment opportunities. So if you kind of do, you know, when you're a student, you actually have a lot of free time. And this is a great place to start because the problem is also where do I start? How do you start in a normal economy? Say you want to be an artist going back to the art world. Um if you want to learn how the industry works, you most likely need to, okay, you decide, I'm going for, um, for a degree. You decide on that. But then you need to find a place where you can learn what it means to be an artist in practice. You will have mm -hmm. to find a studio or you will have to find a practicing artist in your city if you're lucky to be in a city, if you're lucky to be in a big enough city, yeah. and see if that, if that actually works for you. Because oftentimes you also discover that maybe you want to be, you want to have another profession because it, it just like education can be one thing. It can inspire you and can give you satisfaction. But then when you enter the work world, uh, it may be very disappointing. 
for example, like for architects, because when you study, you are the god of your own creation. You create everything from zero to the completion of the project, but it's all on paper. You create your theoretical world and you're taught that you are the Renaissance man, that you're powerful, you can do everything yourself. When you join work, you start from the very low level of drawing bathrooms <laughs> in AutoCAD and that has nothing to do with creativity. And yeah. that's why it kind of doesn't work because yes, you got all your fundamentals, you had you had to study mathematics and philosophy and that's fantastic for your brain and your general development as a human being. But it didn't help you to get practical skills. And what is great yeah. about all these Discord channels and all these courses and all these master classes and podcasts and workshops and hackathons, hackathons are fantastic. You can get your hands on doing actually something very practical, meeting yeah. developers. For instance, I took part in a hackathon, not having any development experience, but you can brainstorm, you can brainstorm on user experience maps, you can see repositories. You like you take part and then you get to, I don't know, do a sales pitch, create a presentation, create a concept around it, but you are still a part of it. And that's a practical experience. And the important yeah. thing of this is that you can do it virtually. You don't need to leave your home. So you can leave anywhere and you can yeah. connect with, with great developers, with great teams and people who can teach you in those three days, two weeks, as much time as you take for, for completing the hackathon. You can learn amazing things. You can have practice. You could have a hands-on experience. And you can yeah. have you can do as many of those as, as you want. You know, you can go for a hackathon a weekend. So imagine in the year time how tech savvy you become because you have an actual experience of building things. Yeah, it's 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 really, really valuable. And you know, the access to all the resources, the access to to all these virtual events and to to different people and and having the opportunity to sort of to to be part of a team where you can sort of combine your strengths and brainstorm ideas and and actually as a result build something that didn't exist without you right so i i think it's very very empowering um if we have to wrap up the conversation, I know that we sort of focused on uh, mainly on on the art side of things, but you know, you briefly mentioned in the very beginning that there are so many other areas that NFTs are, are you know, have very useful and valuable applications. So, um, what would you say is uh, apart from the art, uh, which are the areas that are going to be very exciting to see in the near future being developed and and uh, applied um, by uh, by startups and their users in the future? Uh, well, second big one is of course gaming, and there is already a lot going on. Um, and again, where there is investment and attention, there is more opportunities naturally. But um, I see music is very as very very promising industry because uh, ownership of your digital music and files and you know relations with uh, platforms that play music uh, has always been um, a big big problem in the art industry. And now if you can really track all your sales, um, set up your royalties, set up you know the terms and conditions under which you want your music to be distributed on the internet. Um, that can revolutionize the music industry. Uh, but still, there is the conversation is just starting. 
Um, and we, we've seen some airdrops, but I haven't seen really new music type, like, I don't know, techno, right? Used kind of digitized uh, mm-hmm. music. So maybe something, something like that will emerge from the space. Um, and we have not seen anything in literature and blogging and books, which is another, like, tokenizing tweets is fun but uh, probably we can do there is actually more. a platform called publica i don't know if you've heard of it i've i've minted my first novel almost three years ago on their platform as an nft uh back in those days we didn't even call them nft we were just saying publishing on blockchain <laughs> which is kind of what it was uh, but yeah, there are a few platforms uh, uh, related to to publishing and to kind of literature. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's not like really well known or, or really big or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I mean, technically speaking, it's there. It's just not very popular at the moment, and I don't know what the reason is behind it. But maybe it's just yeah, it will take time until some new ones emerge as well probably well it's uh, yeah. it's again yeah like kindle we now can read books digitally on amazon or kindle um so i guess just um the industry has to discover the writers have to discover their way in the space and how they can utilize the new tools the best um way possible for for them yeah. I, I, it's just not very straightforward. And also, again, because of all the limitations of current space, Ethereum, gas fees, um, general lack of education that, that it exists and that is possible. Uh, also, we still haven't seen fiat on ramp uh, implementation on crypto marketplaces. And once we will be able to pay with a credit card, that will really, really uh, open new opportunities because more people who just buy... Um, on Amazon or on, on other marketplaces with their credit card, they'll be more secure and they'll be more comfortable doing these purchases because they don't have to go to exchange, buy crypto, bring it to the platform, and then maybe they need to buy Ethereum and yeah. be, then they need to swap it to the um, token of that platform. It's a nightmare. Yeah. No, no. I, I think as soon as the first ever message on the NFT marketplace is not connect your MetaMask, we're going to be way better. Like, you know, as soon as we just bypass that stage uh, and and you can do something else instead of connecting MetaMask before even being able to do anything around there, uh, that's where things will start getting more interesting and, and more attractive to people who don't really, who are a bit, I mean, we have to t- to be aware that there is a certain bias and there is a certain fear among uh, the, the the mass market towards cryptocurrencies. So, you know, just expecting that they will get educated and they will get used to it and they will come is not the way to do it. We have to find ways to feed to their lifestyle and to, to make it easy and to do things that they are used to do in their everyday lives and just, you know, have have the whole thing under the hood. So it's not so scary to experiment, to try. Because, you know, if just to try it out and figure things out, to find out whether it's it's interesting for me at all, I have to go and learn what is MetaMask and open a MetaMask and then, you know, connect it to the whole thing and figure out where to buy ETH. And then, you know, where you can't buy 
ETH with fiat through MetaMask. So it means that I also have to open an, an account in an exchange, centralized exchange, probably because DeFi is even more complicated. So it's like there are so many loops. So to expect that regular people who are simply a little bit curious would go over the whole thing just to see what it is, it's just not realistic. So, you know, many people say that the way through it is through education, but let's be honest, like an average Joe, would he prefer to watch Netflix for an hour if he has one hour free or to watch a YouTube video that explains what is MetaMask and how to connect it to OpenSea? I mean, you know, <laughs> the choice is obvious for the majority. Yeah, as I always say, let's bring the best Web2 experience into Web3. There is no reason yeah, why not. Exactly. And and maybe those hackathons and those brainstormings and putting together non-technical people with technical people and mash up their strengths is the way to go. And the more of these happen, the, the, you know, the faster we will get to a stage where we will have like a really user-friendly interface uh, and UX and kind of, you know, things that would be intuitive and easy to use. And, and then we will get to that stage. Uh, it's, yeah, it will take a while to figure things out because again, like it's new technology, um, but I believe it's it's going to come and it's going to come probably much faster than we think. And, and eventually Metaverse will be where we will be having these podcasts later on in the future, right? So there are already loads of platforms that we can test out, I think. So we can eventually move this to the metaverse. Absolutely. And maybe try some cool digital closes as well. <laughs> exactly. Then we will talk about the NFTs for fashion. And then, you know, we will have a branded NFT merchandise for, for people to dress up to go to the metaverse and, you know, branded headquarters for the studio. And I mean, it, it's just you know, the possibilities are endless. Once you get into there, it's just no no way out. So, so yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you, Annie. That's all that I had for you today. Thank you very much for listening. I truly appreciate every single one of you. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because that would help the podcast grow. And to make sure that you're up to date with my articles as well, please subscribe to my newsletter at anialexander.com backward slash NFT rebels. Take care and I'll meet you in the next episode. <laughs>